You're listening to Season 2 of NFT 365. Talking crypto, blockchain, Web3, non-fungible tokens, metaverse, and... What the f*** is a non-fungible token? We'll get to that. It's time for today's episode of NFT 365. Here's your host and digital futurist, Brian Fanzo. This show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research. What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of NFT 365. And throughout this journey from launching on November 11, 2021, uh, to where we're at now, entering uh, the summer, if we can believe it, summer of 2023. You know, one of the things that I've loved about the NFT space as a whole is not only getting to know people, but recognizing that there are different, uh, you know, different, you know, kind of subsections within this beautiful uh, NFT space. And it doesn't matter when you got into the space, there are, are different kind of size, different, you know, entry points. And we talk a lot about here on the show about people uh, kind of having their aha moment or finding their community that makes them feel like, you know, these are my people. And that's such a uh, important uh, a component uh, to this space. And I'm excited for today's guest because uh, a lot of our guests, a lot of people that are in this community, a lot of them had their very first aha moment. They're kind of welcome to community um, in the Deadfellas community. And I will say, you know, from afar, I, I've been a fan uh, from not only the the unity and kind of what people have kind of built around it, but it was also one of my favorite events that I went to uh, way back in the very first NFT NYC uh, that we that we had, and I, I was just a, it's a great time. And you know, a couple of my really closest friends, I enter, I welcomed them into the NFT space. They tried a couple of the communities that I was in, um, but weren't, weren't as kind of all in on in it until they actually entered uh, the de- the Deadfellas, uh, you know, economy and, and everything that's been going on there. But on top of that, you know, I I really big believer in amplifying strong, powerful voices that have been in this space since day one. And Betty, you are are more than that than in many ways. You have a, a stellar reputation in the circles that I care about, and the, that means the the people that are are truly believers in good people doing good things. So excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Thanks. That's so kind. Uh, it warms my heart to hear things like that. <laughs> it's good well, to be here. It's, you know, we just got back from New York and we were joking kind of pre-show, right? It's like, this is, this is a uh, conference season. If we could, I guess it's, it's shit coin season apparently. <laughs> and it's, it's <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's one of those things where it's like it continues going right and also you know it's kind of it's like award season it's also you know we're recording this on 420 which seems to be a national holiday uh you know here in the in the in the nft space as well but you've been you know in the space for a long while i know a lot of our audience will be familiar with you but some of them uh will not talk to me a little bit about you know who is betty pre Web three, and then kind of that entry point or that aha that kind of got you uh, into this space. I think that'd be important for our audience. Yeah. So um, for years prior to Deadfellas or to Web three, or you know even being aware of NFTs, um, I was the co-director on a creative production agency that I ran with my husband Syke, who is my co-founder uh, at Deadfellas now, which is cool. Um, we were. I mean, we had a we had a great list of clients. We had a great carry on. It was it was kind of a good situation. We would it's actually not dissimilar to how we work now. We would work online. We had teams all over the world in different places. We never had an office. 
the difference was um it was very behind the scenes so we had no presence at all we were vendors we used to get sent from client to client we were very blessed with the level of client that we had so we got to work for really large companies and do really exciting things but um you know when covid hit uh the creative industry took the a very big hit and we lost uh so many exciting contracts for things that we were um developing and really excited about and uh those got replaced with uh covid explainer videos and workplace health and safety animations it was not fun uh being in lockdown creating those things um and you know we had become increasingly frustrated with uh just the creative landscape in general at that level and then um also aside from the the um the stuff that I was doing there with the agency I was doing a lot of uh community organizing so I would organize mutual aid I would get events together I would uh facilitate workshops mentor uh, women and gender diverse people and First Nations women as well. And it was really fulfilling, but really quite frustrating as well. And I was very disenfranchised by the systems that I was working in. I felt that the impact that I was having wasn't as much as I could push. I just felt very um, held back by a lot of red tape and, you know, all of that. And then I became aware of NFTs in January 2021. Um, Syke was speaking to some of the artists that are in um, a digital art collective that he's been a part of for many years called Depthcore. And some of the artists in there had uh, been minting NFTs and they were telling him about it. He told me about it. And for me, it was just like, like the, like someone threw the blinds open, you know, it was this like, holy shit, this is the new thing. This is, this is the innovation you've been waiting for and the disruption. And like, you can build something here. It's all new and we don't know where it's going, but it's, challenging uh the systems that be and the powers that be and so I was very excited immediately I couldn't think about anything else I was completely obsessed um I was in clubhouse listening every day you know stalking on twitter every day um it took me a while to to actually participate as myself and like jump in and that's because I felt kind of intimidated by the demographic I didn't see really any women or very very few at the time and uh and nobody really talking about the things that I cared about deeply. And so I just felt like, you know, is there even really a place for me there? But, um, you know, I continued to look and I was on Twitter spaces trying to find people. And uh, I found my community. It only took finding like five people that I saw were saying similar things to me. And I thought, no, like there is a space for me here. I can do this. And so jumped right in. Um, and, it, and it went from there, really. I haven't actually logged off crypto Twitter since then. (laughs) I know how that goes. Right. And, and, you know, I remember those clubhouse days, right. And I was on the stages a lot during that, like board ape and the, even, but prior to that, right. The, and you know, it it was interesting because I think clubhouse had such a great representation in many rooms and many uh, conversations, but not really in the NFT crypto space. Uh, And and I think we can, you know, I think that's probably an obvious thing. I'm going to, I'm going to continue on that like journey of dead fellas, but I want to jump like forward right now, just in like, just, I'm curious your thought. If you were kind of, you know, you were talking about like, kind of like that, seeing the light, Hey, get, get obsessed. If someone was, or if you were getting obsessed today and where the market has been and kind of like, do you still feel like the you could find your five or six people that would you know like what would you suggest for people to find those five or six? When you said that, 
to me, it's like so such an important component because the ups and downs of this space, if you don't have like that core people that you can lean on that also are kind of going through the same thing, this space can get lonely. And it's no wonder so many people have just ejected, pulled the ripcord because it's overwhelming. Do you yeah. think people can still find that today, like where we're at right now? And, and what would you recommend for them to kind of look at that? I do. And I think even more so than back then when I started, because it really just took those few people um, being in the space, doing their thing, talking about what they're passionate about to give me validation, to feel like I could participate too. And so that is kind of a big driver of, of why I stick around on social media. You know, I'm sure you see some of the days I get uh, some crazy shit thrown my way. And that's uh, just the nature It's the nature of the internet. It's the nature of being a woman on the internet as well. But um I'm in the I'm in the habit of of opening doors and keeping them open because that's what people have done for me. Uh, lots of people around me have opened many doors for me, and I want to do the same thing. People wanting to jump in right now, get on Twitter. Um, literally, just look through Twitter Spaces. Like, just right. have a look through them. You'll find people in there that you resonate with. Um, you'll be able to follow the people that are speaking. Message them. Like, honestly, people do respond to messages. It's kind of hard. I try my very best. I'm I'm pretty bad at it because there's so many, but it's I try my best. And I know that people are very willing to share information in this space. Uh, discords, find if you're like, oh, I don't really know what communities I belong to. In these Twitter spaces, you'll start to hear people saying things that you resonate with. Look at where they're hanging out and then go and hang out with them. And then you'll find more communities and it goes like that. I feel like... Um, that's the way I choose to participate. Some people like to do it based off of like what they want to flip and all that sort of stuff. I'm not really in it for that. So I don't, I don't do that. I feel like we're, we're way deeper than uh, just in it for a flip. I think that's probably where it gets lonely, you know? Yeah. And you know what? I, I agree with you completely. And you know, we didn't tee this up beforehand, but like, you know, that, that space, especially that, like, let's just say summer 21 through that fall through most of 2022 it was so hard to find just like genuine people, even though there was more people in here. I think people make this like weird assumption that because it was like, you know, people were flipping and things were thriving and there was projects coming everywhere that it was somehow easier. I would, I would actually argue it was way harder, right? It was, and it was harder to, you know, even, you know, I, and I remember we can tie this into, you know, the dead fellows mint like that September, right? Like I, that September, I don't think I slept, at all. I think that for, for September 21, because there was so many projects minting. And I remember the week with dead fellas, I think my list like of my, like the things that we were writing down and I was buying, you know, I was really buying at community really wasn't buying for Philip at all at that point. Like I hadn't even, I hadn't found my degen side. Uh, yeah. That wasn't even in my, like in my purview, but I believe there was like 11 or 12 projects that I had done enough research at the time that were all minting like that September um, timeframe. And now I feel like it's, it's a, a little bit nicer to be able to, you know, projects give you a little bit more lead time, but projects have to expose a lot more things than, you know, back then, you know, and I'm curious from you, your take, you mentioned, you know, earlier, you, you took a little while for you to like step in as your full self, but launching a project in September of 21 I mean, you pulled the trigger on that much faster than many of us were in this space that kind of saw like, hey, maybe we should launch a project and and waited. How did that kind of come to life to go like, hey, I'm in. I don't see what I want. I'm going to create it. And then you created it. How did that all kind of come to life? So I've always I've been a person my whole life and many people listening will resonate with this. Um, 
I have just a million URLs. I'll have just ideas and I'm like, oh my God, that's the idea. And I'll buy the URL and I'll be like, no, you guys, you don't understand. And I'm like all in for a day. And then I'm like, you know what? That's not actually it. And I collect them them, and it's been a thing forever. Um, I've always been very entrepreneurial. I've never really wanted to work for anyone else. And I haven't spent much time working for anyone else my whole life. I've done many different jobs, but um, not often for other people. And so I've always been in the habit of creating. I'm always trying to create. I'm always trying to uh, build things and organize and all of this stuff. Um, It was really, people were approaching Psych all constantly, all the time to be the artist on their project uh, from very early on. And he did a lot of branding stuff for a lot of the early punk events that they had in crypto voxels, which was really cool. Um, Through that, we met a lot of cool people. So uh, one of the OG punks, um, the last punk, 9999, uh, actually wrote our smart contracts for the Deadfellas project. And we met through through that stuff that was given early on as an opportunity. So I have to like tip my hat because a lot of the crypto punks in the space are really opened a lot of doors for us. But yeah, people were asking him to do the art. I was like looking at how these communities were forming and really fascinated by it all. But I, I, I mean, I know, I knew looking at it, I had every skill that was needed to launch a project and run a project well. We've, we've been doing this essentially for many years. Um, just in a different context, right? Like it was an amalgamation of everything that we do together. So I was like, just like, we just, we just need to do this. I was frustrated because I I loved the PFP thing, but I just didn't see anything that I wanted to use. I didn't see anything that represented gender as a spectrum or um, really like meant what I cared about. So I just thought, well, I'll just create it. So we did. Um, it was Friday, the 13th of August, 2021. To your point, when you're talking about uh how many projects were launching at the time it was so crazy and the gas wars were insane and that was a real issue for me because I was like I don't want there to be this massive gas war I don't want whales to come in and like buy them all up and then people that I really care about that this project is for to represent them are going to get like locked out they're not going to be able to get access to this so we were I honestly I think I'm going to claim it I think we were the first people to do an allow list ever, but it was very crude. It was like the first uh, 1,300 people in the Discord, um, they all got access to buy between one and five dead fellas. And how they did that was they, it was 0.025 the mint price. And all they had to do was fill out like a Google form, send us the, <laughs> send us the ETH directly for what they wanted to buy, whether it was one between one or five. And then we minted that amount that it ended up being like a lot. We minted that ourselves. And then we distributed that to everyone that had pre-bought following the mint, paying for all the gas, everything. I still don't think any project has done an allow list where they've paid the gas for people. Um, but it cost a fucking lot of money, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah. Especially um, back then. I, yeah. People that weren't around back then, I try to relate gas prices and, right. and yeah. Holy hell. Yeah, it was a lot, but it was it was really worth it because we got a lot of people in that would have otherwise been priced out. Um, and I remember the day of the mint, people were freaking out because Artblocks was having a drop that day as right. well. And they were like, gas is going to be like, none of us can afford this. Like gas is going to go too crazy. 
Um, but then there was a bug in the contract for Artblocks, so they canceled theirs, and we were fine. So, I, and so there's a couple of things there I think that are so you know important. Like, let's just take a moment to appreciate the trust, right? Like, fill out this Google form, yeah. <laughs> send us the ETH, <laughs> and like, I mean, and this is like people talk about like the <laughs> lack of trust in this space. There, this trade, this space was built on just like pure pure trust right i mean that is such a cool like moment and i you know like i think even early on right, like we just were believing in like the people and the good of people and i think ultimately that's why many of us are still here because we we felt that and we existed in that time i think unfortunately there were outside forces that saw that trust and realized it was something they could take advantage of and and we saw that through you know the you know because even at that point you know, August, September uh, of 21, like the idea of like a rug pull or someone not like, you know, wanting to show up was just so like foreign. It wasn't like, it wasn't like we were like, you know, kind of looking for that. But I think that's just like such a, it's such a beautiful thing that people are like, oh, I'll fill out this form. I'll send this stranger that I met online that's creating <laughs> this art with her husband uh, to create. Like, I mean, like, it's kind of cool to think about that from like, a, you know, where else in digital world would we i mean we i mean we lived at especially like covid times people yeah. were afraid to, to buy an online course people were afraid yeah. to you know like and yet they, they were doing that the other part talk to me a little bit about the the gender side of a representation right because i this is something we hit home a, a bunch here on the podcast um it's something that's extremely important for me for representation but also removing gender from some of the 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 representation also unlock some things I didn't even, that wasn't even something that I thought of or thought was missing in the space. And so I think one of the first times I had heard you speak on, on a Twitter space and you were kind of calling that out. And I was like, holy hell, like that is such a, an important aspect. How did that kind of come to life in the, was that always kind of like the art was always going to be kind of gender neutral in that sense? How did that kind of come to life? Uh, it's really important for me because um, the LGBTQ community is just I mean underrepresented in so many spaces but especially visibly in media and entertainment and uh, when we're talking about uh, digital identity products because that's essentially what these brands are now um, and you're missing out an entire cohort of people that's a problem to me uh, you know when people talk about oh there's there's more gay people now than there were. Or there's more trans people now than there used to be. That's really not the case. People are just feeling validated to be themselves. And we've got this language that allows us to express that and who we are in a, you know, a more well-rounded way. And I think that is more the case. Um, so as we move into this new phase of people feeling more freedom to express themselves in their authenticity, uh, we need that to be reflected in, in how we're doing that in the digital sphere. Um, and yeah, with other PFP projects at the time, I was just looking around and like, it was all dudes. And then like the the only like femme uh, characteristics would be like a pink wig or like boobs. That's it, you know, and that's like supposed yep. to be the woman's PFP or whatever. And then it d disregarded anything uh, on a spectrum outside of that as well. And I was like, it's just not, it's just not the future. You know, it, it isn't it isn't future proof. It's not like that's not how things are going to be. And it's not how things are for me and my community now. So uh, removing gender from each individual trait meant that designing, uh, I think it was like over 450 traits altogether. Every single one was void of gender so that when they're 
combined through code, they just spit out all of these ambiguous characters where the power is really in the holder to decide what that character means for them, which is really like true sovereignty over the the character, in my opinion. You don't really get that. We do in some collections now, but you didn't before. Um, notably, another collection that did it after us that I was really into and pleased to see was Doodles. They did a similar thing, and I, I really enjoyed that as well. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's so important. And, I mean, personally, but also for the community, it it provides people a home. There's really not many, if any, projects that are vocal about the support of underrepresented communities and, uh, you know, the disparity in the space. And so I think that it's important to maintain that. I don't really care if people think that's too political because it's just human rights guys, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. Those, those are thinking too political aren't listening to this podcast. I can pretty much <laughs> promise you that because uh, I am loud and proud. I was actually uh, the grand marshal in the pride parade in San Francisco in 2003 as a cis white straight male, but I had come out vocally. My best friend came out to me in high school and, made this big story in Virginia beach. And then they ended up being something that, so for me, I've been very blessed to be exposed and ally from 2003 long before, you know, even, you know, social media or digitally. And, and so like, I love that component of representation. I also, you know, the, the talk I gave at NFT NYC was on digital identity and even just this identity that we're able to now create and remove a lot of those barriers, right? There's a lot of people, even, even people that I, you know, up until I joined a Twitter space with them and we have this great bond, I didn't know their, their gender. Right. And, and the beauty of that is their gender wasn't required for us to build this, you know, amazing bond and this amazing conversations. And I think, you know, even actually one of the people that's co-host with me a couple of times, um, I refer like, they, they use a voice changer and they've used a female voice changer mostly, most of the time. But interestingly enough, like gender doesn't really uh, come into, into play there. And so I, I love that, you know, that was such a, you know, a focal point in the art. Also, I think it's such a, a big piece on, you know, representation. I'm a advisor on the Galactic Gaylords NFT that just dropped uh, last month and, and really focused on, you know, on that space as well. I, you know, as you, you know, you mentioned kind of like the, you know, the, the other part of this side of this is that it, I think it's not even really the political side. I think anyone that's willing to do something different and that is bold enough to to hold true to it, oftentimes that does give a lot of the, the, the FUD army or the haters like this continual punching bag, right, where they feel like they can go back. And I think even more, unfortunately, a lot of these men and that you know, or identify as men that are are cowards in my personal opinion that feel like they can use their power over females more so than they can their their men counterparts i think that's an unfortunate kind of like byproduct in the space but it's really no different than the world we live around us like i think we have to be very honest with ourselves that you know the the that when you mentioned that like hey it's not that there's more people it's that we're empowering more people to find their true selves and to put themselves out there. And we still have such a long way to go. And, you know, for someone like yourself, that's been in the space for so long, I'm, I have to ask from the standpoint of like, what keeps you going? Because, you know, I, I see the, you know, the celebration and the the great things, but we also know that like what dead fellows was building <laughs> where, you know, contracts went, where creator royalties went. I think that was one of the first times you and I were ever on a space. Like I, you know, so bullish on removing the starving from the starving artists. And like, we have to change a lot of this narrative. And, and unfortunately the flippers 
became more of a voice and got some things changed, in my opinion, than didn't do any of us, you know, a service. What keeps you going? What keeps you motivated? What keeps you, you know, inspired about this space as we continue through, through these times? Um, so as loud and as disheartening as the FOD can be, not not against what I'm building, but against me as a person, like it can be kind of really hard to be visible in this space and to be vocal in this space as uh, someone that's saying something at, you know, against quite a, a the status quo, I guess you would say. It's, it's challenging the ideas of the majority um, and that can make people mad. Um, so I deal with a lot of uh, threats um, online from, you know, every platform. I've even experienced, it, like in New York this last time, I experienced it in real life for the first time, which what? was, yeah, which was really confronting. But um, so then, you know, I left where I was and I went to the 9DCC event uh, where I knew lots of amazing people would be and the night ended really well and and lots of wonderful people. So I think that but that that kind of speaks to the way that the space is, whether on one hand there's going to be people that don't agree and that's so fine, but, you know, you've got to treat people like a human being. On the other hand, there's a lot of people that love what we're doing and that's also fine. What keeps me going is I represent something that isn't the majority in this space. And when we're working in this industry, we're working at an intersection of um, technology and finance and art and all of those industries are dominated by men for all of time. Um, and I want, when we talk about decentralization, I want that to apply to opportunity as well. Mm-hmm. And that will not happen if people like me stop. Right. So, and I have, I feel like I have a duty to myself and to people like me and to people that I represent that haven't been able to push through and get to where I am. Uh, through no fault of their own, you know, there's many brilliant people and there are a lot of hurdles in place and it's it's only fair to acknowledge that. I have three children and I want the world to be better for them. Um, and I, I want the effort that we put into this to to mean something, you know, and to solve real problems and to to make positive change. So that's what keeps me going because I know the impact is, is great. Um, so I, I just... I push through. It's just hard sometimes. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it is hard, right? And I think we also have to own that that it is hard. Uh, I'm a dad of three girls, so I relate to having the three kids. Uh, three the, girls as well. Oh, there we go. See, look at that. We, it's, I mean, I have, I have 13, 11, 9. So mine are like, you know, still on the cusp of love and daddy, but you know, we're on that, like, uh, I'm dealing with teenage hormones for the first time, wow. which is a, Mine are much, much younger. I have three, uh, three, six and eight. So wow. Yeah. So Hey, look at that. Three girls. I, I, and I, and I will say like, that is, you know, something like I bought a ledger, uh, for each of them. They each have a couple, uh, you know, NFTs in their, in their ledger. And a lot of it was, you know, representation actually, uh, the X punks, the expansion punks was one of the first projects that I ever, uh, you know, asked them to pick their favorite out. And it actually was the first collection I had saw that put a non-binary representation, um, into their collection as, you know, one of the traits. And I remember being like, okay, Hey, the way they're approaching this and the way they're looking at crypto punks and a lot of that identity to me meant a lot. And it, you know, kind of put into, uh, you know, that connection. Um, there's a couple other things I wanted to tap in. One of them being, you know, female-led projects, female-led PFPs, there was definitely 
you know, that November, December, January timeframe of 21 to 22, where there were so many of them that exploded. There was many that were earlier. I, I actually, you know, minted fame ladies originally, and we're part of like, you know, remember a lot of that going down, but I, I also feel like the, that idea of like, you know, you know, it, it's often a problem in the speaking space, right? Where if the only panels that are having women are people, women talking about women uh, in the workplace is it doesn't help anyone, right? Like it's such a, such a cluster because, you know, how do we, how do we change the narrative? We, we empower equality across the board and it's not about just those siloed, uh, you know, topics, but I, I will say with a lot of like the, you know, you've, you've been kind of a, a staple in someone that has been, in my opinion, a collaborator, a very loud voice that isn't afraid to kind of push back on what might be the, I would refer to it as like the, the crypto bro influencer crowd that exists today. But then there's also this idea of like, you know, some of the brand partnerships, some of the events, what has been something that you've kind of, that has stood out to you that has kind of opened some of those doors because from the outside, some people say, oh, it must be nice you launched in 21. Must be nice that that you have connections with people that are doing things. But for those of us that see what you've done and for those of us that believe in the space, it's not an overnight success. If you have a must be nice mindset, you're a part of the problem, in my opinion, in this space um, as a whole. But what would be some of the things that you've kind of, you could attribute to some of the things that have unlocked? Like I love the Ledger partnership and I love, like there just seemed to be a lot of beautiful partnerships that you've unlocked that I think so many just would love to tap into. And I think, you know, I, I tip my hat to you for all of those, all that hard work that you've put in to make those things happen. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, that must be nice mindset is kind of funny because uh, when, so I, I mean, I know personally a lot of the founders in this space, uh, obviously, well, most of them really, we all talk. Um, and a lot of people that are in the top tier of things that are in this industry uh, have come from somewhere or are well-connected in some way or well-funded in some way. Um, and I am not. And I think that that, that like when it's like the must be nice thing, that it is frustrating to see because it's like, <laughs> I didn't know a single fucking person right. <laughs> in this space. It literally took networking and grit and determination and resilience and all of that to to be here and to do this, um, you know, and, and I think that when we talk about overnight success, like it's easy to look at something as an overnight success, but at the end of the day, we we minted out in a time where I was very busy, but we're still here and we're working with the world's biggest brands. Um, that is a great success in my opinion and isn't an overnight success. It's, it's like a, I mean, life is crazy. It's wild when I think about it, but um, yeah, the partnerships, it just comes from, this is going to sound cheesy, but I'm just going to say it. you've got to be authentic. You've got to be building something that you're truly, truly passionate about that has a purpose and a mission and an identity. And I think that because we are so strong in that, it can, it's easily conveyed. When, when I talk to someone about it um, or, you know, we're throwing ideas around or I, I invite someone into a space where we're showing up, it's really easy for that person to understand quite instantly what we're about and how we're received and what it means to be in Dead Fellas or a part of Dead Fellas. And um, and so that's really made it quite easy to work with with brands and collaborate like that. So DraftKings with the Rainmakers collaboration, yep. we were so blessed to be able to work with the NFLPA directly on that um, that collection. And it was so fun to do. Their team is so, so nice. Um, 
But, you know, that came through Matt Kalish being a fan of Dead Fellas originally and connecting and, you know, connecting with their team. The Wrangler team came to our event, loved it. They were in the horde as well. Ledger, I actually, um, I approached. So I, I, I will say this, actually. If you want to do a collaboration with someone, just be relentless and just just approach them and just message them and keep messaging them and find other ways and find other people and just keep going for it. Um, I messaged Ledger basically when we launched with all these ideas because I saw the um, I saw the value in our community being, you know, closely linked to uh, wallet security and being very aware of that. I really wanted it to be in the peripheral of the community that we had and people that interacted with us. So it was important for me immediately to try and work with Ledger. Uh, they were immediately receptive, obviously, uh, and we have a great relationship. I love their team. I have great respect for them, especially um, Ariel and Ian. Yeah. Yeah, Ariel's been a, Ariel's been a guest of the show and and a good friend as well. I'm a big fan of hers as well. He's one of the most brilliant women I've ever met. So there you go. Yep. I I love that. And I, and I, I love that, you know, like the persistency component of this as well. And, you know, I'm also curious just from a standpoint of, you know, a lot of contracts and a lot of projects are having, it's not, I, I think saying the word adapt is like so under it's under qualifying what people are having to do. We saw even, you know, Goblin Town, I'm a big fan and a big holder in, in Goblin Town, what they're doing, merging contracts. I like what AJT and like that team has, has kind of approached some things, but like, let's face it. A lot of what, you know, like you mentioned, you're still around today. You're still building, you're still a, a voice in the space, but a lot of what we all kind of loved I think was ripped away in many cases and, and we've kind of had to adapt. How are you looking at that for like the future of dead fellas in like some of the tough decisions? Cause I, I will say for anyone that isn't a founder or doesn't understand the founder dynamic, like right now you have that, like, in my opinion, such a tough, every decision has to be, how do we re- reward support and continue to like celebrate our existing holders? How do we create welcome, you know, inclusivity to where we can welcome people in, but then also how do we not kind of like pigeonhole us or, or put ourselves somewhere that one contract change or one open sea change, you know, kind of, you know, hurts us. And like, just me saying that <laughs> should make everybody's mind hurt and give every founder a little bit more grace, like uh, mm-hmm. as a whole, right? Like I wish that was something, but how are you looking at all of these moving parts? Because it's cha- it's chaos right now on what is the business model that works? What, how do we set contracts that make sense? How are you approaching all this stuff that's kind of being thrown at us? Hearing you say it, I'm like, oh my God, did I have too much coffee today? I'm like, <laughs> woo! <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. Uh, founder life is a lot. It is to be a CEO, but to be a CEO under the microscope of thousands of people in an industry where you literally don't know what's coming because nobody knows what's coming because we're building the train tracks as we're hurtling on the train. It's craziness. Right. It's crazy. It's not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> so, so funny to you lay it out like that. Yeah wild um we do make hard decisions we've got to uh it sucks in some ways because you have a vision and you have a plan and then all of a sudden like open sea comes along and they're like we're gonna do this or we're gonna do that and it's like guys the 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 royalties thing uh for people listening that don't know with the royalties thing they took the royalties to zero recently and it's all just it's all trash. It's it's no good. Oh. Um, that stuff, it I mean, 
yeah, it hurts. It hurts us uh, emotionally, but we have other revenue streams. We're lucky enough to have spent the last two years brand building, but it does absolutely nothing for the longevity of the space because the doors are closed for emerging creators to come through and to make something at the speed that the communities are expecting them to create to. It's almost impossible now. You know, the, the way that people were raising millions of dollars, it was on valuations based off of the royalty revenue. That right. was, that's, so, I mean, it's the foundation of the whole space. I don't understand why it's gone. I will keep fighting. There are, there are alternatives coming. So that's what keeps me sane because I'm very aware of, of multiple parties building amazing products. So I think that when you look at the landscape right now as it stands, just realize that it's not how it's going to be. And certain things that are being created are beyond the comprehension of some people, and that's it's really fun and exciting. So I'm, I'm bullish for the next year or so to see how that all evolves. Um, for us, yeah, I mean, you just have to stick to your vision. We've, we've got a very strong vision and luckily it doesn't rely on revenue from royalties and it is allowing that uh, balancing of the fence where you have to make sure you're embracing the community that's essentially put you where you are because that's the reality uh, while expanding into new industries because I know for a fact that the dead fellas core audience is not in large numbers in the space as it stands right now. It's just not. Uh, we represent a demographic that literally is not in the space right now in huge numbers. And so that's really exciting for me because if we're this successful now with the audience that we have, imagine in five years, like it's, that's a very exciting uh, concept to me. I I think we've cracked it uh, with a product that we're rolling out uh, over the next few months that allows that entry to the ecosystem at an accessible point while looking after people already in the system and uh, and whatnot. So I am excited about that. Um, yeah, it's, it's fun. <laughs> it's you know, fun. On, on that, on that note, I, I, you know, there's always this like weird theme and, and early adoption is where I've built my entire brand and business. So, like I was one of the first Google hangout shows, Google plus shows that, that, that blew up on there. I did a lot of live streaming on Meerkat and Periscope and a lot of that, like tech. So like, I, I know a lot of these waves and one of the waves of course is the, you know, impatient new user, but then there's like this addiction to mass adoption or to the onboarding. And I've been push, pushing something. I'm curious your take on, I think we actually have to focus first on the reboarding and I hate the term, I come up with something better, but we've lost so many great holders and great people from the space from, you know, for one thing or the other, some of it had nothing to do with the space, right? It had to do with the economy or, or, you know, decisions outside of their, you know, their home. But we've also lost people that like, were, were like the perfect person to be a dead fellows holder, yet they decide to mint, you know, something that ended up being not even a rug pull, but something that exposed them to the underbelly of the flipping community, Right. How do you think we can kind of attack this idea of like reboarding people that kind of believed but had a bad experience? Because I think that's actually the bulk of like where we could we could really make a big impact. But I, I, I think people are struggling to wrap around, around their heads around like what is what would it take for us to kind of do that and bring people back in the fold? I think that um, we've lost a lot of people through. Uh, I mean, it's been a brutal market cycle. Right. And. The reality is a lot of people entered this space on a dream of making a lot of money. Whether you stuck around for the community or not uh, is besides the point that is 
the reality of why most people started in this space. And when that didn't eventuate, I think it was quite a, a daunting thing to accept because it's that, you know, oh, I've invested so much time and energy and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I can understand why that would hurt if that was the expectation that you had coming into the space. I think for those people, there is an underlying level of understanding of where this space is going. But in order to get them back and in order to really, you know, plead our case to, to everyone in the world, there needs to be real use cases that are solving real problems. So, and you just don't see that very often. Like, cool, there's a Web3 game, but what does it challenge in the real world that makes it even worth participating in? Right. You know, right. how does that make your life better or easier or, you know, how are you rewarded more? And it's the same when you see Web2 brands entering the space, like what part of that strategy loops into your overall strategy as a brand? All of that needs to be considered. You are seeing it from a few people. And for me, I think that's cool. It is just a matter of time because that's, that sort of stuff cannot be rushed. You can't just like quickly develop that over two months and then, have it out. We've seen people release games in this space and it just flops because it's like the players aren't here. It doesn't really answer any problems. It sort of just is what it is. Yeah, so, and oftentimes the blockchain is making it harder, yeah. which which technology for technology's sake that adds more obstacles is, is a guaranteed loser. Yet I think that ends up being something people lean into. That's it. Why would you want to spend your time participating in something that's full of friction, is expensive, like emotionally challenging? There's so much. There's so much. Uh, so until we start to see things actually solving problems and being easy and seamless and just feel good, uh, that it's it's almost like going back to when I needed to see people talking and and participating in the space as I would to validate my participation myself. It's the same thing. You're gonna. That's why we're focusing on what we're focusing on now, empowering creators, especially with user-generated content and whatnot, because that is what people need. It's a problem that needs solving uh, in Web two. So, yeah, novel concept, right? Like, let's look at problems from Web two and say, how do we solve them using Web three solutions? Like, I, and I will tell you, you know, we do a. So we do solo episodes on the show and I do, and I, I dedicated April and May to use cases only. So every solo episode I'm attacking different use cases. The one that came out last episode uh, was on nonprofits. I I'm a, like addicted to the nonprofit space on where they can leverage the blockchain NFTs. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm advising a couple of uh, you know, companies right now that are already in that. You know, we have uh, an episode coming out that is really targeted towards like that digital coach online, um, you know, entrepreneur that, you know, we know needs a space, but I, I also, it's why I had, you know, the team from forum three, uh, on a couple of them from Starbucks. I like what Starbucks is doing with, you know, Starbucks Odyssey is they're actually, they have a great web two solution. They realize there's a web three solution that can actually bridge something that, you know, was a problem they had. And I think it's exciting to see that that is the, the, the piece. And I'm a thousand percent with you until we have the use cases until we are clear on problems that we solve that don't add more friction or more tech for tech's sake, we're going to continue to be the same, you know, kind of, you know, kind of bumbling along, uh, you know, kind of as we go. Um, okay. You mentioned UGC, like the user generated content side. How are you looking at that? I think, you know, we have a lot of conversations on AI. Uh, I've been selling a lot of my own AI art now. It's actually what's above my head uh, at the, at the moment, the, the, there's so much conversation on like, 
you know, property rights. And I, I was on a space yesterday about IP. And, but then we also have this like UGC, like identity piece, right? Where people are part of a community when they feel like they're contributing as much as they're getting out of it. How are you looking at that? And I, and I think we'll, we'll wrap with it after that, but I'm curious, just you threw that in there. And I think that's such an important problem that still needs to be solved. And it's exciting that you're kind of looking at that, especially in this space where we're at now. Yeah, totally. Well, I think that digital identities are being used to create content to express ourselves in ways that are maybe safer to do in the real world. Um, we're sharing ideas, we're developing ideas, we're challenging ideas. There's, there's so much value in it. Uh, even just at the level of entertainment, like it's it's valuable. Um, it is the new marketing and advertising. We know this well. Um, but there's an issue in that user-generated content is often owned by the platforms or owned by brands. Um, and the decentralization of ownership to you owning your own content and owning the tools that you use to create that content, how it's distributed, um, you know, how it rewards other people participating in it, viewing it. Um, it it's this new economy that doesn't exist yet that needs to exist. Um it will shift the dynamic for a lot of industries. E-commerce will change. It will be a really big thing. And so we're thinking ahead and making sure that we're facilitating creators in our ecosystem to take advantage of that. Um, people, especially now when, because there's a lot of projects where you can you own the IP of the, the token that you hold, that's cool. But like, I don't know about you. I can't animate. I don't know how to animate. Right. So really what content am I going to create with my IP? You know, like in terms of streaming or making a podcast or being in a band or all this stuff, there's, there's a lot of stuff that is, it creates a barrier to entry again to only people that have that knowledge. And I'm all about bringing those barriers down. So we're working hard on getting tools and resources to creators to be able to do things with their IP which is it's going to be exciting to start seeing all out. We've got the streaming fellas coming out really soon. We've been working hard refining that, um, which is going to be cool. So next time we're on this, I might be an animated. There you <laughs> go. I like it. Profile picture. But yeah, uh, I mean, it, it means a lot because it's the future of an industry that I think many brands in this space need to be acknowledging. Yeah. The, 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 even the use of IP, from like a, you know, we can't use bored and hungry as like the only example of taking, you know, like, you know, and I know they're not the only ones, but it, you know, every time I hear that brought up on like a Twitter space, I, I know the example they're going to use. Right. And it's like, it's like, come on now. Like that's, you know, that's part of it is like, how do we, you know, and, and I think even, even going, you know, beyond that to being like, okay, well, how do we integrate this even into our digital websites and our experiences? Cause I, you know, I'm a big believer that our digital identity, looking at someone's wallet, will actually tell us a lot about somebody, the things they care about, the communities they're a part of. And we're going to get to that spot, right? And part of it is that's exciting. We just have a a giant gap. And not to mention you have like, you know, Seth Green and he gets his, he's doing an animated series and gets his bored ape stolen. And it's like, (laughs) it's like, no, like how is that not in a vault? How is that even connected to a wallet that anyhow, that's a whole nother uh, you know, security conversation, but I mean, all that stuff's definitely a niche. Uh, because at the end of the day, when you think about people that are going to participate in these brands, the people that even can hold the the assets that have that unlock that sort of stuff is so limited. And when we talk about onboarding, everyone I feel like has this idea that 
oh, you know, there's going to be millions of people that want to spend so much money on these JPEGs. And that's really just not the case. It's Mm -hmm. not the case. It will always be a niche. The niche will be large and larger than it is now, granted. But realistically, the majority of people participating in this space won't even know that they are. It will be frictionless and it will be as simple as engaging with a content creator that uses this IP or, you know, engaging with the IP in another way. But it it will look different to how I think most people are looking at mass adoption. So I'm keen to kind of shift that perspective a little bit. I could not agree more. I think, I think the digital identity component will drive so much of the innovation and that's going to drive so many things that people aren't even looking at right now. Right. Where, you know, the collectible space, the, the idea of like, you know, of being a part of the, that's always existed. Like it's existed in web one existed in web two, but I, I do look at this idea of first impression, your personal brand, even like what your future of a credit score is. I, I believe these archaic systems that we will break down with the blockchain and re-identify, right. It should be a trust score, not your credit score. And how do we do a trust score? When we have a blockchain, I think it's pretty damn simple. You know, in my in my view, we just have to get a lot of these things um, on chain. And to that fact, I, I completely agree with you on the sense that the niche will always be there, but there's also things that will be, bring people in that I don't not sure that everyone's kind of looking at. But uh, excited to see you know hear all the things that you're you're doing. So glad to have you uh, on the podcast. Any yeah. any words you want to leave the audience with? Anyone anything that we missed? You want to make sure you highlight? Uh, no, not really. Not really. Um, we're dead fellas on Twitter and Betty NFT on Twitter and Betty DFZ on Instagram. Um, I just joined blue sky. Have you tried blue sky yet? Uh, I haven't. I I've, I've seen it all over my feed. I have, I had, I had like, I was like, I need to jump in and try it out and and kick the tires there. (laughs) It's okay. It's like a janky Twitter right now, but it's pretty cool. I don't know. I'm giving it a shot. Why not? Hey. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, why not? I mean, hey, that I'm all for the that early adoption and, and side. And I'll tell you, know, anyone that's listening, you know, I say this for certain episodes, and there's I don't say it very often, but you know, this is an episode that I, I recommend you bookmark it, take the link, put it on your notes, you know, app. And when people are looking at, you know, what what does this space represent? What are what are we trying to do? And who are the good people that are are have been here since the start? that are standing up for good things and, and are building good things. This is the episode you share with your friends. You share with that business partner that doesn't understand what the hell you're doing with these JPEGs. And, uh, you know, Betty, it was a true pleasure to have you on the show. We'll definitely put all the the links in the show notes and uh, excited. Maybe we'll, we'll catch up over there in uh, consensus, uh, you know, as well. So uh, yeah. we can hang out IRL. Yeah, that'd be great. You're very kind. Thank you for all the kind words. And this has been fun. I've enjoyed this. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us. For all those that are listening, you know, as always, do me a favor, show you care. Right now is a great time and a great opportunity. Just reach out to a friend, reach out to someone that has created content, a tweet, uh, Instagram video that has touched you, that inspired you, maybe, you know, motivated you to do something and just let them know that you care. Uh, caring is, uh, it's a pretty damn low bar right now because uh, people aren't doing it enough. But I can promise you, the more that we show each other that we care, the more that we appreciate the those that are doing good things, the more it will help them continue on. And uh, nobody would say uh, that you care too much. And in this world, uh, let's make it a, a more world of more caring. So until next episode, my friends, make it a great day. Thank you Here's for listening day. to NFT 365. If you found this helpful, let us know by leaving a review, like, subscribe, share, and do all of those good things. Join our email list to keep up with all things NFT 365. We appreciate you spending a little of your time with us. And as always, Thank <laughs> you.